Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com and also write us at thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to The Legendarium. Today, Craig and I discuss The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 1, Chapters 9 through 12 in an episode titled Striders and Riders with special guest and Tolkien super nerd, Lori Berkman, hailing from Craig's home state, Washington. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Craig. I'm Ryan. But <laughs> I'm not so sure. Uh, Maybe we should start that one again. <laughs> I'm not going to. Because uh, you. Welcome, everybody, to chapters 9 through 12, the conclusion of book one uh, of The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, we are really picking up the pace here, I think. Uh, finally, things are going to start moving along. Um, we start out in Bree, hang out there for a little while. We meet Strider, very excited about that. Uh, he takes us through the Midgewater Marshes. We go to Weathertop. Frodo gets a little bit stabbed. We run away. There's an awesome chase scene. Um, I think it's a good section of the book. I, I was engaged maybe a little bit more than I was through some of the Shire. How about you? Yeah, I think... Introducing people who aren't hobbits helps a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a bit. Other than Gandalf, you know. Which is interesting, actually, because uh, the hobbits are supposed to be our link into this world. They're very, you know, late 19th century English, stuck in this uh, kind of medieval fantasy world. Uh, and we just can't wait to <laughs> to get out and about. Anyway, before we get into all that stuff, uh, let's uh, let's start out on our normal note. Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Are you excited? Don't uh, lie to me. I have a very strong inner feeling towards this at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see how you do. Are you ready to play Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia? I think so. All I'm, right. I'm prepared both emotionally, spiritually, physically, in every way I can be. I'm ready for this. I doubt it. <laughs> Here we go. All right, question number one. Frodo is traveling under what pseudonym? Underhill. Mm, correct. We all know the innkeeper's name. However, can you name his two assistants? His two assistants. Uh, shoot. Um, <laughs> it's three letters. It's like... Uh, Stop or something. <laughs> Knob and Bob. That's what it is. Three Dang. hobbits decide to join the company at the inn. Who stays out of the common room? Mary. Correct. Fill in the blank. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots... Are not susceptible to frost. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close. Are not touched by the frost. Are not touched by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless shall be made king. Again shall be king. Again. Pretty close. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give it. I would fail in a spelling bee type situation, <laughs> but I got the All gist. Right. So on the way out of Bree, Sam chucks an apple at the nose of... The bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like him. I know. Um, 
Yeah, he hits him in the face, and I don't remember his name. Bill Fernie. Bill Fernie. is obviously up to no good. What does Sam call the cricket-ish things in the Midgewater Marshes? They are... Some Eber Skeeters or something <laughs> along those lines. Well, I know you did the reading. They are Nickerbreakers. Nickerbreakers. I remember being something like that. <laughs> Tolkien describes them as evil relatives of the cricket, which I thought was great. Uh, who sings a small part of the fall of Gilgalad? Um, Sam. Correct. Much to the astonishment of the others. When it is Strider's turn to sing a song, what does he sing? It's a small world after. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to, but I want to edit that out. Uh, <laughs> he sings part of the Lay of Luthien. She is the ancestor That's of both right. Aragorn and the yet-to-be-met Arwen. Um, and as we all know, incest makes any story better. Uh, so we're happy to, to have some uh, relative love coming our way. Keeping Pretty it soon. in the family. What does Strider <laughs> do to ease the the pain of Frodo's wound? Uh, he rub, rubs dirt. He uh, dirt. <laughs> put some dirt on it. Uh, no, he puts a, an herb. Um, not one is King's foil. There you go. All right, King's foil. Actually, we haven't heard it called King's foil yet, but yes, uh, it is Athalas. We will know it as King's foil later on. Um, uh, well, he, technically, he crushes it up and puts it in boiling water, and uh, but he rubs dirt in the wound, and then he rubs dirt in it. Um, all right, new elf alert. Uh, who finds the company as they approach the ford of Bruinen? Uh, Glorfindel. Correct, Glorfindel the badass, as I call him, <laughs> uh, because he actually charges down the Black Riders at the bridge, at least as he tells it. Oh. So. Um. All right, so that's six out of ten. Not too bad. I kind of I went easy on you on the uh, the poetry. Oh well, thank you. I but, I appreciate it. Considering uh, I jump over much of it <laughs> for for a bonus. What is Glorfindel's horse's name? You know, think Liv Tyler. She says Norolim. Um, you know I. She might as well have just said hi-ho silver because I don't remember. <laughs> uh, his name is Asphalath. Asphalath. Oh. Yes. Well, pretty good. So six out of ten. No bonus. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a middling showing. It, I wouldn't call it poor. Um, and like I said, I know you did the reading. So uh, so I don't have to send you home with a note. Uh, I can't deal with another one of those. <laughs> All My right. parents are so disappointed in me for the last one. Well, today we want to do something a little bit different. Uh, Ryan, you've done a few uh, editions of Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia, but today we're bringing on somebody else, the challenger, to see if she can beat your six out of ten. We have Lori with us. Lori, say hi. Hello. Hey. So she is joining us. Six times in one night. <laughs> six out of ten was his score i have i have ten questions for you uh and a bonus just in case uh there's a tiebreaker or if we feel like asking it and i think we'll feel like asking it uh before we get to the to the quiz though Lori, um i want you to give us the breakdown a little bit of your credentials um we didn't invite you on here on accident i know you're a huge tolkien fan uh, give us a little rundown. What's uh, what's your relationship with the Lord of the Rings? Well, um, 
my dad grew up in kind of the hippieville era and was really into the hobbit and the lord of the rings more so the hobbit i think and to the point that he and his friends like drove in a V bus down to California to see the Hobbit cartoon come out, you know? <laughs> nice. Um, and I grew up watching that. I still think it has the best soundtrack around. Um, shout out to Glenn Yarborough. Um, but anyway, so I grew up watching the Hobbit movie and that was about that. My dad really didn't push or talk too much about Lord of the Rings. And I barely knew of Frodo and, um, and then it was, I think I was probably 15 when I first read The Hobbit, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, slightly slow moving. And then then I got into Lord of the Rings, and I got it. Like, it all, I I was hooked. Yeah. Um, and, but it wasn't enough. Like, uh, there were questions. I think the question that got me going the most is what happened to Gandalf? Um. How did he go from gray to white and all of that? And oh, you're that spoiling it. We haven't even gotten to that part yet. Oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> Way to ruin it for me. Into a podcast doesn't know that that happens. And there, I think that, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. And so then I read the Silmarillion and Lost Tales and Appendices and I charted it all out and I made genealogy trees and. Um, so you were hardcore. I went all out for probably six years. Um, I just studied and studied, and my paperback books are just full of cross-references, and I made my own theories and maps, and I don't know. I went, mostly I can't sleep at night. That's it. When everyone else goes to bed, <laughs> I have a few hours before I could fall asleep, and that was um, Tolkien filled that void for a long time. Nice. I know it's actually Tolkien. I get that. But I didn't know that until I was like 22, and old die, old habits die hard. So Agreed. Totally you know, I I'm with you. I I'm sure that I think earlier I said Gilgalad, even though I know it's Gilgalad. I, I don't yeah. care. Really, I, no, I have to be concerned about you that. You read it, right? I mean, that if if it's something I've only read, then how I read it is right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see just how well you actually did read it. Um, of oh. course, today we're doing uh, Fellowship of the Ring, book one, chapters nine through twelve, um, going through Bree and through the Midwater Marshes and all that stuff. So we're going to test uh, how well you did on this reading. Um, I, I gave you a few days warning. So are you ready? I suppose. I hope it's been like 10 years since I was really in, into all of this. So I hope I can represent. You know what that is? That's a hedge. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let it go. Okay. Just remember, you got to beat six. No Here we pressure. Go. Okay. We'll see. Number one, Frodo is traveling under what pseudonym? Underhill. Correct. We all know the innkeeper's name, but can you name his two assistants? Nob and Bob. Wow. All right. Three hobbits decide to join the company at the inn. Who stays out of the common room? Mary. Correct. Fill in the blank. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots. Do not reach the frost. Or, Ooh. Sorry. Pretty close. Are not yeah. reached by the frost. Not are, reached by the frost. We're not yeah. done with this one, though. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless shall be made king. Ooh. Close again. 
You're just like Ryan on that one. Again, shall be king. The crownless again shall be king. I'm going to give it to you, though. Just like I I gave it to him. He was was about as close. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So on their way out of town, Sam chucks an apple at the nose of... Bill Fernie. Correct. Wow. Not even hesitation. That's impressive. What does Sam call the cricketish things in the mid midwater marshes? Meeker beakers. I'm sorry. What was that? Meeker beakers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Meeker breakers. You missed an R, but you know what? <laughs> oh, no, it's closer no, than mine. Totally, I told totally you put an R in there. I'm gonna blame that on the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what are we? Uh, yeah, you've got them all so far, right? Okay. Um, who sings a small part of the fall of Gil-galad? Sam. <laughs> Correct. And then when it's Strider's turn to sing a song, which song does he sing? The story of Baron and Nuviel or Luthien. Yes, Luthien to Nuviel. I would accept them both. Um, what does Strider do to ease the pain of Frodo's wound? Gives him Ethelast or King's Foil. Wow, both of them. She's smoking you, man. <laughs> I said rub dirt in it. It's close enough, right? <laughs> All right. Oh, come on. That's like movie trivia. <laughs> Who finds the company as they approach the ford of Bruinen? Lorfindel. Yes. Marwin. Very good. All right. Now, do you want the bonus question? I would be silly not to. All right. Well, you've done pretty well so far. 10 out of 10 is is uh, doing all right. Um, all right. So bonus. What is Glorfindel's horse's name? Ooh. That I do not know. Oh, are you serious? You're going to you're going to trip up on the bonus. Five seconds. Little Whitey. Norolim <laughs> Asfalath. I didn't know it. All right. Well, yeah, I'm still... I feel better not knowing that one now. (laughs) (laughs) You still get 10 out of 10, so uh, I'm pretty pleased with the result. Uh, I'm very impressed, personally. Well, good. So, um, Lori, before we let you go, um, you've obviously... You did the reading on this, uh, chapters 9 through 12. Uh, did Did anything jump out to you? Anything that you thought was especially impressive about these chapters in particular? Uh, anything that uh, caught your attention and that you want to share with the class? Oh, yeah. Um, a couple of things. Things that um, took me a long time of wondering back in the day, especially Bill Fernie's, like, slant-eyed friend, mm, you know? Yeah, the Southerner. And the Southerner. Mm-hmm. Those were very interesting characters for a long time. Kind of mysterious. Um, I think I came to the conclusion that it was the the half you know half orc half man type, but oh my goodness, one of those all the way in the Shire is pretty is pretty wacky. And then I think I came to the, also the conclusion that that's how Saruman originally got into like the the elf or the elf the uh, the leaf trade. I, think I just went off on a tangent with those two characters. I hate characters <laughs> like well no, the ones that don't have too much play in the story. Yeah. If you know Tolkien well enough, they do. Everyone has a background. Everyone has a story that happened before. He never mentions anyone not on purpose, you know? And that's something I love about, about the books is, you know, random characters. If you read enough other books, you almost always find out, you know, why they were mentioned. And so that's one. I think another thing I really loved about these 
chapters. Um, I love, I love Frodo. Um, there at the Ford when he's being, you know, he's got all five wraiths like right there and he's stabbed and, and, um, and that's something that really beat me up about the movies is they give this whole thing to Arwen and then she controls the river and what light, you know, is given to her, let it pass to him. Well, I mean, um, it's cause she's, she's so pretty. Because I need, I mean, this is Frodo's first time in the whole book that he really stands up for himself and he faces, you know, the ring wraiths and tells him to back off and he holds his ground. And I think that that's a real character development for, for Frodo. Um, so rereading that today, especially after having watched the movies with my kids this week, um, it, it was just a... I don't know. Peter Jackson got that all wrong. <laughs> First off, Arwen wouldn't be able to control a river like that. Second, she it's not like she has light to give to Frodo anyway. And and third, this is Frodo's moment and I love that it exists in the books, I guess. Yeah. I you know, I agree. Uh I thought it was a a good moment and you brought up a thought for me that uh, that I didn't even have in my notes uh to talk about today, but it is something that I noticed. Um and that's that when Frodo uh, is having these moments where he's resisting the ring race, I find it interesting that his overriding feeling, his emotion is anger. He talks about how an anger wells up in him. And, you know, we, we typically think of anger as, uh, as at worst, a sin, you know, and at, at best, a flaw, I suppose. But in this case, it's what allows him to, to uh, resist. Anyway, um, well, yeah, Yeah. Lori, I'm glad you brought that up. It gave us uh, something else to kind of to look into that I hadn't thought to to bring up today. So, Lori, we appreciate you coming um, and smoking Ryan in Craig's Lord of the Rings trivia. Congratulations. I'll send you the certificate later. Yeah, for real. Gold, gold leaf letters, everything. Um, So... (laughs) Uh yeah, we uh I think we'll have you on for two towers at some point, I'm sure. Oh, that sounds good. So uh we will we'll let you know and uh make sure to keep listening. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, you bet. Have a good night. Well anyway, we appreciate Lori coming on. Uh she's a trooper. So I I do you agree that we should keep doing this? Yes, I I do. I I am a little sad to be trounced so soundly. <laughs> she did whip you. My reading comprehension is better than this, people. It is fine. I don't... Apparently, I didn't get Asphaloth right, but... <laughs> <sighs> That's okay. I will move on and do better next time and make it a bigger challenge for her when we come back to Two Towers. All right, well, and who knows? Next uh, next chunk, maybe we can get somebody else on and we'll see how they do against you. Um, but let's, so let's talk a little bit. I, I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of, of hatred. We brought that up, um, a little bit with Lori on the line, but, uh, what do you think, um, about this idea of, of hatred driving Frodo to a certain action? So let me set the scene a little bit for you. I'm sure you remember, uh, he is on Asphaloth, uh, which as we all know is the horse of Glorfindel. Uh, and they're getting chased down. Um, the writers appear. And so Glorfindel says, you know, you better get going. And he's, he's got to ride across what a half mile or a mile of uh, grassy plain before he gets to the ford to safety. Um, and the writers, he feels them commanding him to stop. 
and wait. And mm-hmm. so he so he does. And then it says that a fear and hatred awoke within Frodo. And what's the line? Um, fear and hatred awoke in him. His hand left the bridle and gripped the hilt of his sword. And with a red flash, he drew it. And then, you know, so he kind of, this hatred, the fear and the hatred, um, bring him back to himself and allow him to shake off the the writer's spell. Uh, and then it, it talks about it a little bit later. Um, once he's across the ford, uh, again, hatred comes up. So uh, what are your thoughts uh, on this idea of, of hatred uh, producing a positive result? Uh, hatred as, dare I say, a good thing. Any emotion, anything inside of us that enables us to act, what you're trying to what you're trying to say there, um, hatred as a as a good emotion, good bad is is subjective to. If we're getting very philosophical here, it's to the. It's all relative. It, yeah, it is. Well, it is to uh, whoever is the on the. I mean, to the the black riders, you know, that for them the action was not good. Hatred, well, hatred would be, for them, hatred would be a, a good thing. It's an empowering thing. It's usually a thing with, with characters that we view as evil. Hatred is a good thing, is empowering uh, the dark side of the force. You know, right. give into your anger, that's give into your hate. That's what I was just thinking of, too. You know, that's, it's a good thing to them. So any, the, the whole, you know, spurring to good action or anything, any, so any emotion that elicits an action from you, good or bad, is relative to the person. But I do think that it's interesting when they're, such a contrast, which is what we're t- what we're hitting here. Hatred is generally a negative viewed as negative in literature and performance, uh, whatever. But um, the act of defiance or standing up for oneself is is good. Um, I think that in this case, I find that Fr- I think Frodo's actions of brandishing his sword, everything. I don't know that that's necessarily the hatred that is. That him, you know, that's his action of, of hatred is to, to pull his sword and yell out at them or whatever. Uh, it says that he can no longer resist. You know, he can't resist the he can't resist hatred anymore. Maybe that's his. Well, it's, what it says is that he he feels the hatred again um, when they're commanding him to stop and wait. He feels it, but it's no longer powerful enough to help him refuse the call of the riders. So it's the hatred that's helping his hatred of the riders. Is and what they're doing to him is what's helping him to resist them. Okay, that, at least that's how I'm reading it. So anyway, it's the question to me is, um, yeah, how how realistic is it for us to in our real lives uh, to look at at hate as a positive catalyst? Because you know we all went through elementary school uh, where, or, or you know, in some people's families, oh, we don't hate. You don't use that word. Oh, you don't hate Jimmy. He just punched you in the face. He's just misunderstood. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we don't hate. Well, you know, maybe we should sometimes. There are things in this world that uh, that we ought to hate. Right? Debatably, yeah. Again, we're, we're getting into a philosophy yeah. piece here of, you know, the if you, if you want to talk about the merits of hate, the merits of fear, the merit of any emotion... Uh, you step it into an evolutionary standpoint. Why would you hate something to protect yourself from it? To you know, to make yourself want to mm-hmm. not fall prey to it. You know, it's from that standpoint. Yeah, it's a protection. It's a protection piece to you. So, uh, 
can it lead to good things? It, that's, you know, yeah, that's uh, dependent upon the recipient, I guess. Right. Okay. Well, I guess, uh, so let's move on then um, and go to what uh, what we did this week. Uh, this week, chapters 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that uh, that you want to talk about that you want to bring up before we get into some of the other stuff? Well, that main, I that I that I found. Well, the, the main thing actually that that I found to be the most interesting through this was was actually what we had discussed, not the hatred part, but but the Frodo standing up for himself. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that stood out to me most. That is a it's a major contrast to um, the film, to a number of other uh, moments. Frodo doesn't ever really stand up for himself very often. He's he, very passive, very you know pale and weak and can't take care of himself mm-hmm. and you know to have this moment where in the throes of agony in the throes of all this, of of a chase and in these moments the only he he can't control where he's going he can't control you know what's happening he takes control of the one thing he can and it's his own defiance and he stands up and he grabs his sword and he says go back to mordor you will not have me you know he he just stands up for himself and that's a major contrast to the hobbits that I believe we have seen up to this point. They're not a defiant people. They're a stubborn people, but they're not a defiant people. Mm-hmm. And to have Frodo exhibit this um, in this moment also speaks to why his why he will fit in the future um, as a good candidate for being a ring bearer, for okay. being a ring bearer, because he has that defiance and that strength in him to resist a power greater than himself. Amen to that. I don't know if I have anything to add. Yeah. Um, well, a- as long as we're on the topic of um, of how we view hobbits, uh, I-, I found an interesting distinction as we left the Shire and came into Bree um, between Bree culture and the Shire's culture. And I, I felt like... Um, Okay, so we've seen plenty of the Shire's culture. They're very, uh, they're very closed off. They're not terribly friendly to people they call outsiders. Um, but now we move into Bree, and uh, it's a mixed pot. You know, there's big people, there's little people, there's travelers, there's the the stationary folk who are there a long time, um, and they also call people outsiders. Um, but uh, you know they're they're much more tolerant of of the people passing through, and they're also they have an interesting dynamic between the big and the little folk in Bree. Um, it's it's uh, I mean in America we'd call it separate but equal, and we have a very negative view of that term. In Bree, it sort of sounds like they have a similar thing. Um, may, you know maybe not like. Uh, you're legally not allowed to. Well, of course they didn't have buses, but whatever. You're, you're. It's not that there's a legal distinction between you can't and you can do this. Yeah. But they, but they, they are described as keeping to themselves um, and uh, respecting each other, but maintaining their own cultures. Yeah, I don't think this. I don't think the separate but equal thing fits this scenario. Um, yeah. I get what you're saying, though. It kind of reminded me of it anyway. Everyone, in, because there's no, it's not a matter of rights or anything like that, but everyone is left to their own devices, uh-huh. live and let live, and we're going to be on our own. And that's the way we like it. Please, you know, I prefer you not disturb the status quo here. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I I find that 
if we go back to a little bit of the geography of what's going on here, this isn't very far removed from the Shire. And that's very, you know, the Shire folk very much, they have their own, this, you know, our way of life is our way of life. And it's a good way of life. And don't, you know, we're not going to change with it. They don't even like to leave their, their Shire much. And as you get out, you're not that far from the Shire when you hit Bree. Right. And it, it irritated me that we took this many pages to get this far out of the Shire. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're still... We have our way of life. We like our way of life. Don't bother. And I'm and I'm starting to notice a theme of the you know that that's probably just about anywhere you go. We have our way of life. We like our way of life. Please don't disrupt that. With the exceptions of maybe you know maybe we're gonna I don't know an area where it's just a, a hodgepodge of everybody, mm-hmm. um, which Bree kind of is, but it's still smaller. So, yeah. All right. So we'll have to kind of keep our eyes open, see if we run into any different attitudes or if this is kind of the prevailing one in, in middle earth. Yeah. And anytime you, you get that clash and mix of, of different lifestyles, uh, you either end up with conflict or you end up with what you have here, which is just this separation of cultures inside of a a single area, Mm. which it's working for Brie. Apparently, you know, it's not necessarily good thing or bad thing maybe the brie folk would love you know the shire beer more so (laughs) if they tried it just open your minds people yeah not every you know maybe the you know the green dragon must have something for them well yeah all right no points for the reference to the green dragon uh come on i'm trying to (laughs) pull points i only got six on the trivia i I gotta pull something i know how much you love the stage musical so i'm not giving you the green dragon it's true i do love the stage musical they do reference that in the, on the stage, right? I don't know. It was in Marion Pippin's song in the in the movie. Never mind. Still no points. Just kidding. All right, I'll give you a gold star. Um, all right. Uh, now, also in the in these chapters, uh, so we've seen lots of songs already. A few little walking songs. Tom Bombadil very annoyingly keeps singing four lines at a time, uh, but. Here, the songs, they're coming fast and furious. We hear a lot of them. Um, and it, it seemed to me that a lot of these songs are are less integral. Um, but did any of them stand out to you? Anything that uh, that you thought was uh, worthwhile that you enjoyed reading from this one? I told... Uh... I find it interesting that you just brought up the um, the Broadway musical. Not many people. I don't know. Many people know that there is a Broadway musical, Lord of the Rings. Well, it wasn't Broadway, right? It was London. Well, yes, it played it in Tor- Broadway style. Yes, it is a musical. It played in Toronto for quite a while, and it played in England for quite a while. And it's actually about to make a world tour. Oh, um, cool! Come back. Uh, this is it. This year or next year? Anyway, they're making a world tour of it, bringing it back, which makes me happy. And I'm hoping it comes close enough that I can see it. But there is a song in there, and one of my favorite songs actually refers to, uh, it's called The Cat in the Moon. And it was... I think Tolkien's title, I'm trying to remember, I think it's The Man in the Moon Came Down Too Soon. But I, I, I'm not sure on that. It, it, it was actually, it's one of the things about the poetry and the, and the music parts in here that having that musical has actually helped me a little bit because I recognize, oh, you know, the wording isn't exactly the same, but the story is, is very similarly told. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to go through and I'm like, oh, this is this song in the musical. And so like that one is a very, it's a very fun song, you know, very drinking song. You know, everyone in the bar is dancing and moving around and everything, which, you know, probably is not actually happening in Brie. <laughs> but for my purposes, it helped me get through that. And I did enjoy that that story yeah. and that song this time through. You know, it, it strikes me that... Um... 
in the movie, as we're watching it, we do get a few of these little drinking songs, um, especially if you watch the extended edition. Uh, and it serves the purpose of giving you a little break from the heavy uh, emotions and actions that are taking place. And I, I guess in the book, it's serving the same purpose. We just don't have a tune to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So it, so I guess it, uh, it kind of makes me glaze over sometimes. But uh, if I... It, it can be really hard to put a... Especially on your own. If, and if you're not super musically inclined either to throw a tune to lyrics with nothing else. Like, is this a sad song? Is this a happy song? Until you've gone through it at least once or twice, you know, you may not know exactly what you're looking for. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I understand that, you know, you're trying to figure out how is this song, you know, how is this a song? How is this a poem? <laughs> Whatever. So, but well, that's... Anyway. Anyway, but, you know, with this one, with a lot of the other ones, I feel like uh, I glaze over. I wouldn't blame anybody else for kind of glazing over. But there would be an exception to it um, when Aragorn sings the Lay of Luthien that we've mentioned already in the quiz. Um, it's uh, it's difficult, uh, you know, a difficult language to get through. It's kind of difficult to interpret exactly what's going on sometimes. But... Um, while it doesn't seem super essential, and again, it, we're tempted to kind of glaze over on this one, I think it's uh, pretty essential. And this is one that we'd want to pay attention to. Aragorn is singing the Lay of Luthien, Luthien, who is his direct forebear. Um, and and if we can kind of use this to gaze into Aragorn's soul a little bit, these moments when he is looking back through history... Uh, should serve to show us uh, kind of what's going on in his mind and the weight of what he's feeling. Because he's talking about the, you know, the great deeds that his ancestors have done, the things that they were able to accomplish. And he knows he's going to be setting out to try to accomplish similar things. And that's quite a reputation to live up to. Um, and I, I actually have uh, one, at least one, famous um, four father i guess ancestor <laughs> ancestor is a good word for it he uh yeah he's my third great grandfather and is very famous uh in the state of utah uh did some did some very miraculous things saved some pioneers that were coming across the plains um in in spectacular fashion and i remember hearing stories about this guy all growing up and he um he was very real to me that he was i, I he had died you know hundred years before I ever lived, but through these stories and this idea that here's somebody who you can try to live up to, I remember as a little kid, I would do something wrong and, and think to myself, oh crap, Eve's watching, he's watching me, he mm-hmm. knows, you know, and the shame that I felt, oh, I didn't live up to, to this expectation of, of the, you know, this ancestor, and, and you know, on the other side of it is oh, I did something right. How very Eve of me, you know? (laughs) Uh, And so I wonder if Aragorn is going through a a similar thing, obviously much more amplified, being the heir to the throne of Gondor. But, uh, you know, these are the moments that that I think we need to start paying attention to. You need to sneeze? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um... Good. So, any other thoughts that you have before uh, my last one? No, that that whole concept of living up to an ideal or the weight that someone carries when they have that, uh, that's a 
fairly, I mean, I feel that that's actually fairly prevalent throughout this whole story. Um, you don't see it so much with, you know, maybe Merry and Pippin, because we don't know much about that. But Frodo has Bilbo. Right. And he's seen Bilbo's adventures and everything. And he has a different approach to the adventures, but he's always idolized Bilbo. And everything that Bilbo has done. So I wouldn't be surprised if Frodo, throughout the majority of this, is thinking, you know, kind of, you know, WWBD, what would, what would Bilbo do? <laughs> you know, Sam is semi, you know, a little bit similar. He talks, there's a few moments earlier in the book where he talks about his old gaffer, you know, yeah. and the way that the old the gaffer... paragon of wisdom. You know, there, there's these moments of, can, am I living up to my, you know, my ancestry and what's expected of me? And then also, you know, you got to, there's got to be that other side of that break off that I'm sure we'll see at some point in time where you say, you know what, I am not... My, I am not an exact copy of my ancestors. There's something different about me, which I think for Aragorn, we'll see that later on with Aragorn. I'm hoping, because otherwise it's gonna, he's gonna be very brooding and <laughs> annoying. Very Edward Cullen. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Yeah, I think that's another good thing for us to keep an eye out on. Um, the last uh, thing that that caught my attention that i really wanted to bring up here lots of stuff catches my attention on this read through but on this one um it it frustrated me a little bit just a little bit when we get to the end of i think it's chapter 10 um the knife in the dark frodo gets stabbed there's this great build-up okay they're they're in that little dell underneath the underneath weathertop and uh they know they're gonna be attacked and so everybody's just kind of waiting around aragorn sings the song to try and cheer everybody up and there's so you get this sense of foreboding something's coming and then sure enough uh the hour comes there are five of these black riders march into the dell and one of them you know stabs frodo and he passes out and that's the end of the chapter and you wake up and everybody's like, dude, you should have seen it. Aragorn was totally awesome. He fought him off, and uh, I hope you're okay. And, yeah, But they, they tell this story, or Tolkien tells this story of what happened in flashback after this great buildup. Um, and so my question is, did that frustrate you? I, I, I guess it comes down to, uh, do, do you write the action scenes, or do you do, you do them in flashback? Um did you notice this? Did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I think we've actually hit on this before a little bit, but I think this is a moment where we're a victim of having an, another media source for this, the movies, yeah. because your mind just fills in the blanks with what you know, or even, you know, having, maybe having read the books, you fill in, you know, what's happened there. Right. And so does it bother me? No, because in my head, I played out Aragorn jumping out, swinging the, <laughs> the, this, you know, fire stick around and, ah, and then you're screaming at it. Ah! As he's wow. running off, you know, that's, that is a terrible Wraith impression. <laughs> I thought it was great. But, you know, I have a hard time doing that high squeal that they do as they're on fire running <laughs> off the top of Weathertop. I, I think I see what you're saying, though. Um, so, so no, you didn't have a problem with it because you, because you did see it. You did read it. Yeah, it, it played in my head. It, it, and if it plays in my head, that means it, I'm not bothered by it. Now, if I, now that you pointed out the fact that, you know, I don't, it's not actually there. Had I never seen the movies or anything, yeah. you know, maybe that would have irritated me a bit, being like, oh, great, so we're just going to pass out now. There's another book that does this, Which actually, one? and it really did irritate me. So I can say I can say with fairly cert with uh, certainty that this that would have upset me. Yeah. 
um, before the Hunger Games movies came out, everything I read through the books. Spoiler alert: anyone who hasn't read them or or, or cared, whatever, <laughs> I don't care. You can just listen now. Um, there's a moment in the third book that I had to bounce back and forth between pages because the main character passes out, and then we come back in, and oh, all this and stuff, everything is, has happened, and everything has happened, and I'm like, excuse me. I'm missing like 40 pages of the book where this happens, please. <laughs> I I felt the same way and I I didn't ever make the connection until now. God, I was that I it is it was my reason why I got so frustrated at the end of the book. I'm like there's so many good things that have happened so far and you just threw it all away. You just decided I'm done writing and I'm going to throw the whole thing away. Well, okay. <laughs> Back to the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um you know, I did find it interesting that in the very next chapter he did write it out. Not not this scene. We move on to the chase scene when Frodo is uh, he's been stabbed and they've got to get to uh, Rivendell and the ring raids are on their heels. Um, and then as or as Glorfindel and as show up and uh, and so Frodo's riding the horse and uh, you know suddenly they you know they really got to get a move on there are the ring raids and and so you know we've already talked about frodo brandishing his sword and there's so there's this wonderful chase scene that he writes i i thought he wrote it very effectively so we know he can do the action scenes and then spoiler alert for uh, the next podcast uh when frodo passes out at the ford again man frodo quit passing out he passes out at the Ford, they rescue him, and he wakes up, and the next chapter, uh, it's explained what happened. Mm-hmm. And there's this great scene where, you know, the tidal wave kind of takes three or four of them and washes them down the river, and then the rest of the company, the little company, comes in uh, and waves fire sticks again and, and shoves them into the water, and the rest of them are washed away. You know, and so it's a, it would have been maybe a nice little uh, action scene to throw in there, only a few paragraphs maybe, but... We know he can. He chooses not to, though. The, there, I, I'm going to throw this as a wrench in the works here okay. a little bit. Pretty much everything that we've done so far through this, that from my understanding, even though we're not doing it from a first person, it's like a narrator through the eyes of Frodo. Like we're the narrator's narrating through the eyes of Frodo. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So if Frodo passes out. The narrator can't speak. Yeah. So I, when but we there, hear there this, have been a few instances though where he'll spend a paragraph. Through the eyes of uh, of Sam, for instance, mm-hmm. where he'll switch perspectives, you know, without even a without even a hard break, it's just right in the middle of the narrative. He switches perspectives. So, but I, I get what you're saying. I think that's a good point. And I think that for me, that makes that that makes some more sense because if you're following Frodo on this, and then he passes out, and then the next paragraph is, and then Sam grabbed a fire stick. And sure. Sam started okay. saying, "All right." It makes a little. I, I get it. And yes, it does. It's still frustrating, but I think that's there. And that's why we get the story. You know, if if he really wanted to be irritating or really didn't care about it, he wouldn't bother telling us what happened later. Right. And when we finally learn what it is later, spoiler alert, because, you know, maybe I've read ahead a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, we hear Gandalf talking, we hear about it, but it's Frodo that's listening. So we're getting the story again. We're, we're looking Fro- through the through narrator Frodo. through Frodo is hearing the story. All right. I'll I'll buy it. And actually, now that I now that you put it that way, I may just change my mind uh, because actually one of the things that I love the most about Harry Potter is that uh, with a few exceptions, you know, like the beginning of chapter six or book six, I mean, uh, you know, there may be a chapter that explains something from somebody else's point of view. 
the vast majority is told through Harry's eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if Harry doesn't experience it, we don't experience it. And I've always actually liked that. I thought that was a strength. So maybe I just need to connect the dots and, and change my mind. I think, yeah, I, for the for the medium of, of literature and writing, I think it fits better. It doesn't work with um, a lot of times with television and other things because you've got to, or movies, because you've got to give your audience more sometimes. But right. for this medium, I think it works perfectly. <sighs> All right, fine. I buy it. Cool. Uh, anything else? I think I'm done. I think that's, I think we're solid. Cool. Uh, well, let's go ahead and uh, and move along uh, for the next cast to book two. We just finished book one. Congratulations. You're yeah. a sixth of the way through. <laughs> Again, don't... with this whole, I have to say that when, when you tried to explain to me the first time about this whole, you know, it's three, you know, it's one three, volume, three volume, one volume, one, one book, one, one tome, three volumes, six books. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I, I had a very reminiscent feeling of, um, when I get back to my to my geek roots of Star Wars, you know, Episode Four or Five. Now these are about now. This is one, two, three. But it's 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 it came afterwards, and this just the whole numbering everything out again. It just it made me feel weird. Well, I'm very sorry about that. I'll uh, I'll write Houghton Mifflin for you. Um, all right. So yeah, we'll go to Rivendell next and uh, enjoy a nice respite from all of this uh, journey to the elves. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com and also write us at thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com.